It says growth is a result of bad habits dropped, wrong priorities changed, and new ways, ways of thinking embraced. This is a powerful quote by John Maxwell. Growth is a result of bad habits dropped, which that's what we're doing, wrong priorities changed, and new ways of thinking embraced. This is what growth is. Now, you guys have been gaining more and more knowledge how to conquer depression. You've been developing a new mindset, and you're experiencing growth. With growth, there's always change, as we know, letting go of the old familiar ways, the old familiar way of thinking to gain something better. And you're letting go of old patterns, thinking patterns, to get a strong, calm, and in-control mind. Now, during your process, on your own, because you're going to have to continue this on your own. Everybody's going to have to continue this process. Looking at the resource pages, every week I've given you resource pages, lots of books. There's a program you can buy, YouTube videos, all kinds of things. I've given you tons of resources to keep adding to your life. So you're going to have to continue to be patient with yourself, compassionate with yourself, working hard, pushing yourself beyond shame, and making great strides. Some thoughts, this is, this is down to earth where we're at. Some thoughts are going to be really stubborn, and they're not going to want to go because they're part of your belief system. You've, you've believed them, you've accepted them sometime in your life, and now they're stubborn and they want to stay. So you're gonna have to work. Some thoughts you're gonna be able to turn around really easily and stop those and replace them very easily. Some of them are gonna be stubborn. You keep working. You keep working hard, you keep telling yourself the truth until that stubborn ant changes and it, you finally get a new belief in your mind. You're, you're switching that old to the new. So some of them are going to be stubborn, but don't give up. You just keep working until you can change that thought to the truth, okay? You're not going to do this perfectly. This process is going to last for a long time, a long time. And you're not going to do it perfectly. You're going to mess up. It's going to be messy, and that's okay because we're all human. The point is you never give up. You keep going. You stay persistent. Now, on your paper, Philippians 4, 9, Paul wrote to the church of Philippi, and he says, keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. I want this to be a scripture as if I am talking to you. This is what I'm saying to you tonight in place of Paul. Keep putting into practice all you've learned from this seminar. Everything you heard from me. And I know the God of peace is going to be with you to help you through this process. Knowledge is power, right? We've heard that. Knowledge is power. But it's only powerful when the knowledge is used. Knowledge is power. That's great. We all agree with that. But it doesn't become powerful for you unless you use your knowledge that you've gained. And I know that carrying around a notebook is inconvenient. For those, I hope many of you are doing this, carrying around your notebook, writing down your negative thoughts, trying to replace them, catching those ants, trying to discern, is this thought a basement fear-based thought or is this thought a faith-based balcony thought? 
And it takes a lot of work because you're always trying to pay attention to how you're thinking. And it's a lot of work. I know that. I have done it. I have gone through this process. And I still am working on my mind all the time to keep it right. Because if I don't, I will backslide in my thoughts. And I'll start feeling depression, anxiety creeping up. So I have to do just like you, all of you are doing. I have to catch my thoughts. I have to pay attention how I'm thinking. And it's a lot of work. But as you go on, it gets easier and easier to catch the negative thoughts and to replace them. It will get easier. But right now, you're, you're right at the beginning, and it's going to take a lot of effort and a lot of work. Remember, having good intentions never gets anything done. Me and my daughter had this talk recently. And sometimes we have good intentions to do something. Oh, I, yeah, I want to do that. But then if we don't have any follow-through, nothing gets done, right? Almost carries no weight. Almost carries no weight. I almost called you the other day, but I got busy. I almost wrote that letter. I almost sent that thank you card. I almost showed up at church. I almost did this, but almost carries no weight. It doesn't, you don't get anything done. It doesn't happen, right? Nothing happens. So the point is, don't almost put this to practice if you haven't started. Don't have good intentions and not follow through. Take the risk. Continue to be willing to change. Feel the discomfort, the inconvenience, and press on and apply all this information that you've learned from this seminar to your life. I want to give you, this is a little pep talk right now before we get into some other stuff. So I just want to encourage you, press on. Keep going. You've got this. God's got you. You keep praying. You keep seeking. You keep trying. You keep believing. So let's say now, a few months from now, things have been going good. You've been really trying hard. You've been praying. You've been putting forth um, the information, the knowledge you've you gained. You've been putting it into practice. And then all of a sudden, life is life, right? And life throws you a curve, and you weren't expecting it. And all of a sudden, the ants start crawling in your mind, and some of them got past you before you stomped on them. And all of a sudden, you feel like that old familiar's coming back, those old thoughts are coming back, those old emotions, and then you feel like you're having a setback. Now remember, this is super important. When we go through life, we deal with the good and the bad all throughout life, side by side. Life is never just wonderful, never just wonderful. Life is never just awful. Life is good and bad parallel throughout our entire life. That's just the way it's going to be. So when you deal with a setback, that means the bad just got a little bit bigger than the wonderful. So what do you do with the setback? What you have to do is you, what you do with it is vitally, vitally important. Extremely important. So when you feel the old familiar coming back, you've been really doing good, you're doing great, you have this day or you have this week and it's just come back, you tell yourself, okay, I'm dealing with the setback, the old familiar's coming back, but I'm gonna use this as a growth spurt. Your setback can be a setup for a growth spurt to make you grow even more. 
Everybody has setbacks. You're no different from anybody else. I'm no different from anybody else. We all have setbacks in some way, shape, or form in our life. We're human. So you have to start rethinking. You have to rethink. Take control of your mind again. Reorganize your thoughts again. You just go back and start all over. That's why it's going to be good for you to get the, a CD. Go back and listen to it again. That's why it's good to hang on to your papers. Look at them again. That's where you have to just start talking to yourself. You're not, you don't have Alzheimer's, you don't have dementia if you talk to yourself. I talk to myself all the time and I'm totally sane. You can talk to yourself. It's good and healthy to talk to yourself. Say it out loud. I will redirect and reset my mind. This is how you talk to yourself. When you're going through, you know, you're, you're having that setback. You say, I will redirect and reset my mind. Start talking to yourself. I've learned several skills. I can handle this. I know what I need to do. I will start over. Thank God that we can start over. I will devalue negative thoughts that got past me. My emotions don't control me. I'm in control of my life. I am the manager of my own mind and body, and I will once again begin managing my thoughts wisely. Start saying these kind of things to yourself. If you have to get this out and just read what is on your paper to yourself, and you say it to yourself over and over again, and you start believing it, setbacks will, it will make you get so off that you're going to say, possibly, I just want to give up. I knew I couldn't do this. I knew this was going to happen. This doesn't work for me. God is not, God's not helping me. I've been praying and praying. Nope. Lies. Lies. Sometimes ants get in there, those automatic negative thoughts, they get past us sometimes. And you've got to challenge those bullies. So you have to push past that. You have to have an inner dialogue. You have to even say it out loud. So, and as you are once again taking control of your mind, you've got to figure out what triggered this. Okay, we're talking about setbacks. What triggered this? Remember, a few weeks ago, we talked about triggers, negative triggers. So you have to go back and say, what, what happened? What triggered this? Did it, was it like an unmet expectation? I thought something was going to happen and it didn't. Did somebody offend me? What was it? Go back and think about it. What triggered me? Don't be a random thinker. You've got to be very intentional with your thoughts. Random thinking gets us in depression and anxiety. No more random thinking. And so we have to figure out what the trigger is. Try to name it. If you can, try to name it. If you can't figure out exactly what it triggered you, that's okay. Don't stress about it. It's okay. Start challenging those thoughts. Pay attention to your body. What's your body been communicating with you lately? When you're having a setback, what's it telling you? Because your body talks to you. It communicates with you, as we learned last week. The way we think sends messages to our brain, and our brain talks to our body. And our body will say, yeah, you haven't been thinking right, because now you're having headaches, or you're having rapid heartbeat, you're having low energy, you're having stomach issues again, or muscle tension. Your body will communicate. Radar, 
You're not thinking right. You're not thinking right. This is something I do in my life. When life gets really crazy and tough and I'm really stressed out, I've done this so often throughout the years. I will get some paper, I will get a pen, and I will random, I mean, I just write whatever comes to my mind. Write it all out. I don't care about punctuation. I don't care if I spell words wrong. I don't care. It, nobody's going to see it but me. I get my feelings, my emotions onto that paper, and I just write it all out. I mean, I'm honest. Whatever I'm feeling, I'm honest on that paper. Once I get it all off of me and I feel like I've said everything I can say on my paper, I throw it in the trash. And somehow that makes me feel better. Because I get it off of me onto the paper and then I throw it away and I move on. So that's something you can help you, that, uh, that can help you in your setback too. Just write it all out. And you have to say, I'm having a setback, be honest. Even if it's for a day, even if it's for an hour, even if it's for a week or two weeks, be honest. Remember that some of these things are stubborn and they don't want to let go of you. You got to work harder on some things. And just say, I'm going to start all over. I'm going back to square one. Stop. Stop the thoughts. Replace them. Telling yourself empowering things, positive things, <coughs> praying very hard, and asking God to help again. And guess what he would do? He will help again. Because he's so precious like that. Philippians 4.13 on your paper. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I have strength through Christ. He's the one that empowers you and me. It comes from him, but it only comes when we're seeking after it. The King James Version says, I can do. I can do all things. Say, I can. I can. You guys said that better tonight than you've said it all the other times. Because you know what? I think you're believing it now. I could feel it. You're, you're starting to believe it now. I can. That's a scripture. That means it can happen. Scriptures aren't in there just randomly. They're chosen. Those words are chosen by God. I can do all things through Christ. That gives me strength. He empowers me. So you fight. You press on, you push yourself, you stay determined. Everyone has setbacks. Don't cry the blues. Don't go to that pity party and get your ice cream and stay there. You just say, uh-uh, I'm no better than anybody else. Everybody has setbacks. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be strong and brave and I'm gonna move on. But be compassionate with yourself too. Be nice to yourself. Don't beat yourself up. God's not beating you up if you have a setback. So, some good advice here. When a tough, distressing situation happens in life, what do we normally do? We normally overreact. We normally are highly sensitive, and we bring a lot of drama into our life because this happened, and then we're like, and we overreact and we become highly sensitive. So what we have to do is we have to practice. You're gonna hear me say practice several times tonight. Practice underreacting. Practice being less sensitive, not overly 
sensitive. We just heighten the problem when we become out of control. We've got to keep ourselves in control. We have to calm ourselves down, underreact instead of overreacting, being less sensitive. Somebody comes to you at work and they're just freaking out, freaking out. It's your department. And when they come to you, your automatic thing is wanting to overreact. We all feel that. But remind yourself, okay, I'm going to underreact so I don't make this more dramatic than what it is. We make a choice to underreact and be less sensitive. And when things get tough, we have to just, sometimes we just have to breathe. I, I put on one of your resource pages, I think it was last week, about a relaxation video. Please watch that. I actually have the CD because it came with my program, but they have put it on YouTube now. It's a two-part, two parts. It's wonderful. You listen to that, it calms your entire body down, your mind down. It says you can lay down, but a lot of times I listen to it in the car. If I'm really stressed, I'll just listen to it in the car. And I'm not laying down, but I just do my whole muscle relaxa relaxation. Um, you know, she goes through the head to toe, and I just talk to myself as she just relax. But when you're at work or when you're at home or when you're at the store, and all of a sudden something happens, and it's starting to set you off, just breathe. Inhale, exhale. Let's just do that four times. Inhale, exhale. Calms you down. You do that about ten times, you're going to feel much calmer. Now, our bodies are designed for stress. God is so smart about everything to do with our body. He's so intelligent. He's brilliant. So he, our bodies are designed for stress. It makes us alert, sharp, focused, productive. Sometimes stress, just a little bit of stress is a motivation to get us going, right? A little bit of stress. So it's a motivator. Stress can be very good for us if we're using it in a productive way. And our minds are capable of handling stress. God made us that way. We can handle stress. But we don't want stress to step beyond a healthy stress realm into toxic stress. And we've all been there with toxic stress, every one of us. We've all gone from it's okay, healthy stress, we're feeling the stress to where it's so toxic and our bodies start feeling the whole way of our mind thinking. Our body starts communicating. You're in toxic stress mode and you're not in healthy stress. We want healthy stress is more like we're still in that faith-based balcony zone, our thoughts are, and we're thinking about how we have confidence in God, and we're thinking about how we can have confidence ourselves through God. We're thinking of love, hope, all this good stuff. We're going to feel stress, but we can have healthy stress where we stay in faith, in the balcony thoughts. And then we can go to toxic stress where it goes to fear, where we're feeling scared, 
terrified. We lose hope. We feel doubtful. We feel ourselves withdrawing, pulling away. See what I'm saying? Healthy stress, faith is involved. Toxic stress, fear is involved. We've all been there. And life is stressful. We're going to feel one of those all the time. And it's hard to sometimes practice being in the healthy stress and not going into toxic stress. It's hard to do sometimes, and that's where we take takes a lot of practice. We just use every situation in life as practice. We're just everything in life is going to just be a practice session for us. When you go home tonight and you deal with uh, family situations, we're just going to say, okay, this situation that I'm facing that is negative, I'm just going to use it as a practice session. I'm going to practice underreacting. I'm going to practice staying in healthy stress. I'm going to practice thinking positive. Oh, I, oh, I want to overreact, and sometimes we do, right? But we're gonna, when we start feeling ourselves, we start calming ourselves down, staying in faith, resisting fear. Practice, practice, practice. Now, don't forget, everyone goes through times of temporary sadness. It's so normal. God created these tear ducts on purpose. We're going to be sad sometimes. Crying is natural. So we go through temporary sadness about something, but we bounce back. That's, that's natural. We're there for maybe a few days a week or so, two weeks tops, and then we bounce back. And even some anxiety is normal. You get a new job, you're going to feel a little anxious getting a new job getting in front of people or trying something new you've never done before, you're going to feel a little anxiety. But that one's, that, that kind of is okay. It's good. It's natural. But depression and anxiety, being in the grips of it, are a slippery slope. And they deplete the mind, the spirit, and the body. So we have to get back on top when we have a setback. And we have to avoid indulging in negative thinking. That's what gets us in anxiety mode. That's what gets us in depression mode because we've indulged too long in negative thinking. And then we just, we just accept all that, and then our mind goes crazy, our bodies start reacting, and we feel awful, and God does not want us to be there. Proverbs 12.25, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. But a good word makes it glad. Anxiety that affects our heart causes us to be depressed. I know in my life, as I became more of an adult, it seemed like I would get low, and then I would be depressed, and that depression would kick in my anxiety so high. It was horrible. Just the grips of anxiety. And so anxiety and depression go together normally. Anxiety will create depression. But a good word. Have you ever gotten a nice compliment, a nice word from somebody, and it just lifts you? A good word makes the heart glad. Now some good qualities that I want you to practice and adapt in your life. Practice, practice, practice. Get this in your life. Adapt it. 
crave it, hunger for it. Practice gratitude. Practice gratitude as a lifestyle. There's a difference between saying, thank you, Lord, for my food. That's nice, but as a lifestyle, it's going to be a part of your day-to-day life. Gratitude. This is one of the most powerful tools you can use to remedy depression and anxiety. I could spend three lessons on gratitude. I mean, it's that powerful. I mean, it's filled in the word of God. Practicing gratitude as a lifestyle is something you do intentionally. You're looking. You're noticing. You're pointing things out that you're grateful for daily people in your life that you're grateful for, materialistic things that you're grateful for. You say, oh, I don't have everything I want. None of us do. Most people in the world do not have everything that they want. But we thank God for what we do have. And we notice when we get that extra little thing that he's given us. Sometimes what we can do is we can pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. And then when the answer finally comes, it's so subtle, we don't even notice. And we forget to say thank you. So we're looking, thanking God for the necessities that we have. Thanking God for the beauty outside. Last night, it was gorgeous. Gorgeous. And I was driving, and my husband was sitting next to me. I was driving, and I said, are we on our way to heaven? Because it just looked like we were just going to go right in the sky. It was just gorgeous. It was just Just notice the lessons that you're learning in life, your accomplishments. You going through this seminar is an accomplishment. Even if you came in a little later, this is an accomplishment. Thank God for this. All that you're learning through the hardships, the lessons you've learned through your hardships. It's really important. This is a good habit for you to start is writing down three things a day that you are grateful for. Three things a day. That's not very many things. Three things a day. You have a notebook at home or with you? Just use that. Three things a day that you're thankful for. What I try to do is I try to thank God throughout my day and try to notice things. But in the evening, I try to go over my day quickly and just think, what did I miss that I didn't say thank you for? Or what what was there and I just didn't realize it? And then when I go back and think about it, I'm like, oh so awesome or this or this or man this was hard but what I learned from this today thank you that for that writing three things there is um, on your resource there is a YouTube video that I want you to watch I put highly recommended I really want you to watch that one by Ann Voskamp it is powerful and it's all about gratitude try to watch that tonight if you can it's very very good you will love it When you practice gratitude as a lifestyle, you are noticing things you normally overlook and you're saying thank you all day long to God under your breath, in your mind, writing it down, or even pointing it out to someone that you love. You're just talking about how God is so good and this and this and this, and you're thanking God. Thanking God is not just for him, okay? This is, I don't have enough time to go on and on about gratitude, but thanking God is not just for him. He is so smart and so loving he has made it twofold it is for him but it also is a therapy for us 
It is completely a therapy. Because the more you are thanking God, the more you reposition your mind on the positive. And he knows that it will do that. So he gets, he gets thanked and he gets praised, and then you reposition your mind and your heart back on the good. And then it helps you feel better instead of staying stuck in the negative. I cannot say enough about practicing gratitude. It's hard to be negative when you're always looking for something to be grateful for. It's hard to be negative when you're always looking for something to be grateful for. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 on your paper. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Be thankful in all, A-L-L, all circumstances. That means the good and the bad. That means the wonderful and the awful. Everything. You thank God in all circumstances. You don't have to thank God for everything, but you have to thank God in everything. If you're in having the most wonderful time in your life, you are thanking God a whole lot. If it shifts and you are in the worst time in your life, you are thanking God. Because we learn our most valuable lessons in life in the valley. So you look while you're in that valley, while you're in that distressing time, when it's difficult and it's dark, you look, you notice, you're intentional. Where's the hand of God in this? What is he doing for me? What am I learning through this? Thanking God in all things, all circumstances. A lot of times we want to know, what is the will of God? Right here it says, this is God's will. This is God's will that we thank him in all circumstances. Remember, everything is not completely wonderful. Everything is not completely awful. We will feel both at different degrees throughout our life. I want that to get deeply embedded in your brain. So practice gratitude and watch how it lifts your spirit. It may not change your whole circumstance, but it changes you. It's a therapy for your mind. The next one is practice rest in your mind. Practice rest, letting your mind rest. People dealing with depression and anxiety deal with racing thoughts often or thoughts that are tangled up and wound up and they're hard to unwind. We have to be intentional about slowing down our thoughts. Now, years ago, I was in my early 20s, and my family, I was already married, but my, my side of the family, my own family, was going through a very difficult time that was affecting my entire family. Our family was falling apart, and it was very hard on all of us. And I had indulged too much in negative thinking, and I became very depressed, which kicked in my anxiety, and I was... Oh, I just had no peace in my mind. I was a mess. And I remember kneeling down by my couch and saying, God, I knew what I had done. It was my, I knew it. And I was telling God I was sorry. And I was like, God, I want peace in my mind. I want peace. I want peace. And he was so precious to me. I'll never forget this. And he gave me an image in my mind. I actually saw an image in my mind. And the word... Bold, it was a bold word. It said rest. 
bold, big and bold. And directly behind it was the word peace. Rest, the big bold word rest, overlapped the word peace. And I could see, I saw it. He let me see this image in my mind. And what he was trying to say is, Stephanie, you're wanting peace. But in order to get that peace, you have to rest to get the peace. Powerful. Let your mind rest. And then you start to feel peace. That has been so powerful all throughout my life. And so I made this little trick for my mind. It's on your paper it's for the, with the word rest. And when I feel my mind going a little too fast and it's getting amped up and I'm starting to get anxious or I'm starting to get low or if I'm just overthinking like at bedtime, you know, sometimes you lay down and your mind starts racing, then I'll go to my little trick that I made from my mind and I'll say, R, relax. E, be at ease. I say this in my mind, not out loud, but in my mind. S, slow down. And T, be tranquil, calm. And it really works. Rest. In my early 20s, he was already teaching me how to conquer this depression and anxiety I had, he was giving me a peace at that moment, a lesson. Rest in your mind and you will have peace that you want. Because a lot of times people dealing with depression and anxiety, they want peace in their mind. So you've got to practice resting in your mind. Psalms 131.2 says, I have calmed and quieted myself. He's saying, I did it. David's saying, I did it. I calmed myself down. So practice resting in your mind. The next one, practice courage. Mental or moral strength to venture. The ability to do something that frightens one, to be brave, courageous. First Chronicles 28.20, God had something specific that he wanted Solomon to do. And it was a big task for Solomon. So his dad, King David, comes to him, and he gives him encouraging words. And I want you, I want it to be like you're feeling like me. I'm saying this to you. I picked this scripture because I'm saying this to you. Be strong and courageous and do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. So in place of David, it's Stephanie. And I'm saying to all of you, be strong, be courageous. Do the work that you've learned from this seminar. Do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged. Fear is natural, but you've got to fight against it. Because God is with you, and he's not going to fail you or leave you. We sabotage the process of wholeness when we are discouraged. We sabotage the process of wholeness when we are discouraged. Every time we're discouraged, we lose something. It doesn't mean we can't gain it back. But every time we're discouraged, we lose ground a bit. We lose something. That's why we have to fight against discouragement. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard for me. I'm right there with you. 
So there's some quotes on your paper. Your life expands or shrinks in proportion to your courage. Wow. Your life expands or shrinks in proportion to your courage. Without courage, you can't practice any other virtue with consistency. Do what is uncomfortable, unfamiliar, and makes you a bit afraid. Courage is not waiting for your fear to go away. Courage is standing up to fear. It's saying, no, go beyond you and press through you. We do what fear requires or we do what faith requires. I want you to really think about this. Every one of us, when we experience fear, we do what fear requires. When we feel faith, we do what faith requires. And both require something from us. When fear is present, it generates us to lose heart, to cower back, to lose courage. But when we faith is present, it generates confidence in God, ourselves, in hope. Be courageous. Think about something right now. Maybe it's the depression. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's something in your life and you feel like you have no courage. So next time you feel that you're getting fear is entering, you imagine yourself in this power pose. You just stand in the mirror. You start talking to yourself. Get your power pose on and you talk back to whatever the fear is putting in your life, whatever it is, because fear is going to require something, faith. Practice humor. When life is difficult and it's easier to be negative than positive, find the humor in life. When life is just stupid sometimes and it's all messed up, somehow find something funny in life. God created us with the ability to laugh. I can remember the first time both of my girls ever giggled. They were just, I can't remember how many months old they were, but I can remember both times the first giggle. I couldn't wait to hear my girls giggle. And they were babies, and God created a little baby with the ability to giggle, to laugh, because God wants us to have laughter in our life. He totally understands times and periods and episodes of sadness from death or empty nest or disappointment or whatever it is. He totally understands that. And that's a process. Each one of those are a process on their own. And he is compassionate and involved in that. And we shouldn't rush some certain sadness in our life. We should allow it to be a process that it should be a grieving process. But he wants us to experience joy and gladness often. Proverbs 17 on your paper. A merry heart improves the body, and a depressed spirit dries the bones. Look at that. They both have an effect on the body. Both of them. This is scripture. And they both have an effect on the body. A merry heart, a glad heart improves the body. Depressed heart, spirit dries the bones. It goes to the very core of you to the bones, drying up the bones. Now, if the Bible says this, I believe it. I believe that my depression, that if I just own it and I keep it, it's going to affect me physically to my bones. But if I am 
practicing a merry heart, my body is going to be blessed by that and it's going to be stronger. Laughter triggers the release of endorphins. This is known by science. Laughter triggers the release of endorphins, our body's natural feel-good chemicals, and it decreases stress hormones. So when life is tough and you get knocked down, once you stand back up again, you find your giggle. You find your giggle again. There's going to be times of sadness, but you, cut, you push through it and you find that giggle. You find that belly laugh again. Do whatever it takes. In the previous lesson, we talked about uh, negative triggers a couple lessons ago. Those things we need to know, the, the negative triggers in our life. But it's imperative that we incorporate positive triggers. Remember, a trigger is something that sets you off, stirs you up, and makes you uh, have a reaction, initiates a reaction in you. So those negative triggers... They set us off in a negative way, but we need some positive triggers. Now, these are going to be personal for you. Each one of us is different, just like our negative triggers are different. So you've got to come up with what is a trigger, or pay attention to your life. What is a trigger that makes me get back on balance and get back on track and makes me feel good and makes me feel positive? That just possible ones, examples, suggestions, like reading a book. Maybe you're having a bad day and that trigger, you've had a negative trigger and you want to counteract that negative trigger with something positive so you could read a book, watch some of those YouTube videos that I've suggested, view the handout again, read the Bible, spend time with someone positive. Do not go hang out with somebody who's going to cry the blues with you and is going to feed you more and more into yeah, it's all their fault, and yeah, your life is awful. No, stay away from those kind of people. You find someone positive and someone who will speak truth into your life, even if it's a little hard to hear. Keep positive people in your life. So find somebody positive. Pray. Let that be a trigger to get you back on track. Prayer. Do you realize as soon as you open your mouth, as soon as you say something to God, he goes into action. Now, we think he does it because it's not happening like that or because we can't see things happening. Do you realize he does most things behind the scenes? And then all of a sudden, you start seeing it come to fruition down the road. But as soon as you pray, he is in action mode. He is on it. Don't lose faith. So pray. Listen to some music, whatever kind of music makes you feel good. Maybe that could be a a positive trigger, maybe a hot bath while you meditate on scriptures and the mantra. Maybe, hopefully, some of you have been writing down on your index cards, carrying those around, getting those out, looking at scriptures or, or quotes that you've written down, or maybe taking a drive and looking at the beauty. Whatever it is, it's going to be personal for you. So you, I want you just to take a moment to write down a few things that come to your mind that would be a positive trigger for you when you are feeling negative. What, just, just like 30 seconds, just real quick. Okay, so you can finish that at home. Please just don't, please don't take these papers home and just set them to the side. Just fill them out, the places that need filled out. Please take time to do that. So they, this is all working for you for, to um, affect your life in such a empowering way to get you to think and to make plans.
for yourself. Remember, we're not random thinkers, we're intentional. Also, I encourage you to visualize yourself strong often. You know, we have images in our mind. God made us where we can imagine things and we can see pictures in our mind. If I say, think of a pink elephant right now, you all got a pink elephant in your minds, okay? So or if I think of, say, a red barn, then you're going to imagine a red barn in your mind. But what I want you to do is I want you to visualize in your mind often yourself how you want to be. How you want to be maybe in a month. So you, in a month, you think, I want to be stronger. I want to be more empowered. I want to be more of a um, trying new things. I want to, um, you know, whatever it is. It's up to you. So you imagine yourself. You just see yourself like that. Because that pushes you toward that. It's like a goal. You know what I'm saying? Think of the target. The bullseye. That you're aiming toward that. You're shooting toward that. So you see yourself how you want to be. Maybe in a month or so. And you have that visual image in your mind of who you are going to become and you keep moving toward that that's your that's your goal that's your aim so i want you to do that often close your eyes right now think of yourself think of how you are have been like let's say a month ago imagine yourself how you looked then now imagine yourself in a month from now and how you're going to your appearance. Maybe you're seeing yourself in a power pose. You're smiling, you're strong. This is how I want you to visualize yourself. Think it, do it, feel it. Think it, do it, feel it. Rather than think it, feel it, do it. So when we visualize ourselves, and we're putting all this to practice, we take action, right? But we don't think it and then, oh, I got to feel it first. I got to feel confident before I act confident. No. You think it, do it, and then the feelings catch up. You don't think it, and you have to have an emotion first. Unless I feel confident, I can't act <coughs> confident. No, I'm confident. I don't feel it yet but I'm gonna act confident, I'm gonna do it, and then the feelings will catch up. That's how you do this. You fake it till you become it. This is a great quote. I watched this girl, and I've been really trying to understand more of body language. And she says that you don't fake it till you make it, but you fake it till you become it. And she talked about her hardship in her life and how she didn't feel like she could do such and such and all this but she kept acting on it, not, not feeling it yet, but she kept acting on it until she became like that. I remember a time in my life several years ago, I didn't feel like I was a naturally kind person. It did not come natural for me. My husband was super kind. He's always been super kind. I was a little more, uh, a little more edgy, a little more difficult. And I really wanted to be a kind person. And it did come natural for me. It honestly did not. And so I thought, I started studying about kind people, how to be kind. Started looking around at people and how they acted kind in situations. 
And then whatever in life happened, even though I didn't really feel like I was kind, I would act like I was kind. I would do what a kind person would do. I would do it first. I didn't feel kind. I felt like the normal Stephanie. But I started putting into practice, how would a kind person act right now? Oh, that's how I acted. And before you knew it, it started changing my life, where now I feel like I'm much more of a kind person. It's more natural for me to be kind instead of snippy to people. So you fake it till you become it. You don't feel it first. You do it first. And then the feelings catch up. Every day, you need to do something good for your mind and your body. Every single day. Self-care is vital. And you're thinking, what's all this to do with overcoming depression? Absolutely everything. Your mind and your body are totally connected, as we learned last week. Totally connected. So you need to take care of your mind, but you need to take care of your body, too. Self-care for your entire being is vital. So if you have an addiction in your life to caffeine, a true addiction to caffeine, a true addiction to sugar, a true addiction to smoking, drinking, drugs. It's going to affect your mind and body in a bad way. You think, oh, that caffeine's not hurt me. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. When you are addicted to caffeine and addicted to sugar, I was so addicted to sugar, so addicted to sugar. And when I was in my 20s, the Lord began to convict my heart about how I was um, Eat, indulging in so much chocolate and so much junk because what happened was it was affecting my mood. As soon as I was indulging in all that, then my mood would plummet and then I'd get snippy and then I'd get all aggravated and then I'd get, you know, an attitude. And then he started saying gently, Stephanie, you've got to change. You've got to change your eating habit. You've got to, you've got to start having to start working on that. Started, I realized pop was affecting me so negatively, it made me feel awful. So in my 20s, I gave up drinking Cokes. I started adapting water in my life. I'm not saying I never have a Coke. I may have one or two a year, but it makes me feel awful. So you do what makes you feel healthy and strong. Get rid of the addictions. It's hard, it's so hard, it's so hard. I can do all things through Christ who empowers me and gives me strength. So avoid things that deplete the body. Because if it's making your body feel bad, it's going to make your mind feel bad. You're not going to feel good. If your body feels bad, your mind feels bad. They're connected. They're so connected. I encourage you to exercise. Just walk a little bit more than what you normally walk right now. That's all I'm saying. Just walk a little bit more than what you normally walk. Just exercise a little bit. Start making wiser food choices. Start taking some vitamins. Self-care, care about this body. Remember, you're the manager of your mind and your body and your soul. You are the manager of all these things. It's in your hands. You're responsible for your entire body. And he doesn't want just your mind whole. He doesn't want your mind just being peaceful and whole and calm. He wants your body to feel good. And he doesn't just want your body to feel good either. But he wants your soul to be whole, completely whole. And that may mean you need to get baptized. 
In Jesus' name. Okay, I'm working on my body. I'm working on my mind. I'm working on my body. My mind and my body connect. I'm working on my body to get whole. Soul. I've got to be eternally whole. God doesn't want your mind just to feel good. He wants your soul to feel good. So you may need to get baptized. You may need to get the Holy Ghost. And those who come to the, to the Bible study, we're going to see how they all did all that in the book of Acts. It's going to be a fun, fun Bible study. But you need to think about this. Is my soul whole? Am I making my soul well? Is, it, is there wholeness in my soul? I want us to read the mantra real fast, and then I, I'm going to do, we're going to go over a scripture, and then we're going to pray. We're going to pray. I feel like at the end of this seminar, it's important that we need God to come in here. I know he's in here. I've been praying and fasting for y'all. He's in this room. His angels are in this room, and he wants to do a work. He wants a, a finished work of this seminar. And the way to put a stamp on it is through prayer. But I want us to say this mantra together. It's our last time saying this together. And I want us to say it from our hearts with conviction, with belief. Depression is what I feel. It's not who I am. I am strong. I am brave. I am dealing with and will conquer depression. I will be compassionate with myself through this process. My reward will be a calm, sound, healthy mind. With God's help, I can do this. I can do this. You know why? Because of Luke 4.18 on your paper. I can do this because, this is Jesus talking, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty, freedom to those who are captives. Recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty, free those who are oppressed. That's all of us. He wasn't just talking to the people during that time. He's talking to the people of this year, of this present year, this present day. All of us in this room. He's come to preach to the poor, to those who are poor in spirit and those who are having a poor time in life, difficulties in life. He's come to heal people's heartbreaks. Why you're depressed and have anxiety? It's because some of you have had some broken hearts. He's come to actually help people who are bound, captive in their minds to set you free. Give a recovery of sight to the blind. And he's, he's come to give freedom to those who are oppressed, bruised. You've been knocked around. You're bruised. You're oppressed by outside sources of the world's evil. And you've been oppressed. And you've been depressed, depressed. And Jesus says, I've come to make all the difference in your life.